Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and welcome to JFrog's second quarter 2023 earnings conference call. I'll hand the conference over to Mr. Jeff Schreiner, VP of Investor Relations. Jeff, please go ahead. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us as we review JFrog's second quarter 2023 financial results, which were announced following market close today via press release. Leading the call today will be JFrog CEO and co-founder Shlomi Benheim and Jacob Schulman, JFrog's CFO. During this call, we may make statements related to our business that are forward-looking under federal security laws and are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995, including statements related to our future financial performance, including our outlook for Q3 and the full year of 2023. The words anticipate, believe, continue, estimate, expect, intend, will, and similar expressions are intended to identify forward-looking statements or similar indications of future expectations. You are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, which reflect our views only as of today and not as of any subsequent date. Please keep in mind that we are not obligating ourselves to revise or publicly release the results of any revision to these forward-looking statements in light of new information or future events. These statements are subject to a variety of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. For a discussion of material risks and other important factors that could affect our actual results, please refer to our Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2022, filed with the SEC on February 9, 2023, which is available on the Investor Relations section of our website and the earnings press release issued earlier today. Additional information will be made available in our Form 10-Q for the quarter ended June 30, 2023, and other filings and reports that we may file from time to time with the SEC. Additionally, non-GAAP financial measures will be discussed on this conference call. These non-GAAP financial measures, which are used as measures of JFROG's performance, should be considered in addition to, not as a substitute for, or in isolation from, GAAP measures. Please refer to the tables in our earnings release for reconciliation of those measures to their most directly comparable GAAP financial measures. A replay of this call will be available on the JFROG Investor Relations website for a limited time. With that, I'd like to send the call over to JFROG CEO, Shlomi Ben-Han. Shlomi? Thank you, Jeff. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm happy to report that JFROG's second quarter revenue exceeded our prior guidance driven by increased cloud consumption expansion of our security solutions, and continued adoption of the JFOG software supply chain platform. Our 2023 second quarter revenue was $84.2 million, reflecting 24% year-over-year growth. Cloud usage continued to accelerate as we expected, delivering revenue of $27.6 million, increasing 44% year-over-year. We also exceeded our profitability guidance with a non-GAAP profit of $12.1 million while still investing in our core teams. Customers with ARR over $100,000 grew to 813, compared to 647 in the year-ago period, increasing 26% year-over-year. Customers with ARR over $1 million increased to 24 versus 17 in the second quarter of 2022, up 41% compared to the year-ago period. This results reflect that the JFROG platform continues to be prioritized as critical infrastructure and that our three pillars of DevOps, 
security, and IoT hold strategic value for our customers. Let me expand on what made Q2 another strong quarter for JFOG. Let's begin with the ongoing adoption of JFOG security solutions. Most organizations recognize the need for multiple DevSecOps capabilities, such as software composition analysis, contextual analysis, infrastructure as code security, leak secret detection, and container security, among other key features that are included in JFOG Advanced Security alongside other JFOG offerings. As we noted in our previous call, we have ambitious goals to provide end-to-end security across the software supply chain with a comprehensive set of capabilities bundled together as a consolidated solution. We believe this approach will outpace and displace point solutions in the market. I'm pleased to report that in the short period since the availability of JFrog Advanced Security in the market, we already gained tens of customers that have added this capability to their subscriptions, indicated that enthusiasm for advanced security is gaining momentum in the DevSecOps market, not only because of the advanced scanners and automation of software packages, but also the native integration with Altifactory that serves our customers as their single source of record. On that note, I'm excited to mention our recent security product release. As we know, in our industry, over time, less and less software is being written as original code, and instead, binaries are being brought in from the outside world, often open source. Many industry estimates know that up to 90% of software is comprised of open source packages, containers, and more, all binaries. Developers often cache public repositories to obtain these libraries from the internet to speed development and add critical features. While developers may be faster, these practices can unknowingly add security and compliance risks in the form of vulnerabilities entering the organization. This creates friction between developers who want to move fast and security teams who don't want to compromise and require a clear understanding of the software's composition and dependency management. In partnership with our community, we built JFOG X-Ray and Advanced Security as tools integrated natively with Artifactory to protect the software supply chain and everything happening within the organization. JFOG has now shifted even further left to build a fence around companies to automatically and seamlessly stop malicious packages and unvalidated open source licenses from ever entering the organization. I'm proud to announce the general availability of JFOG Curation, which was released a few weeks ago in mid-July. This solution automates the curation of open source software entering an organization before the development process begins. JFOG Curation automatically checks for malicious components and policy-violating software and prevents them from ever entering the organization and compromising security of the software supply chain. Policies can be defined centrally by security teams and applied at global scale across organizations. Many of our customers are already exploring JFOG curation and we look forward to partnering with them. JFOG curation is offered as a buy-seat add-on to the Enterprise X or Enterprise Plus subscriptions. 
Our goal is to enable JPOG users to gain the highest level of visibility and control over the software development lifecycle by delivering a consolidated solution that focuses on all of an organization's binaries. We will continue to bring innovative security solutions to the market and couple them with Artifactory, which already serves millions as the database of DevOps. JPOG Curation joins the security suite of products offered by JPOG, all of which are available in hybrid and multi-cloud versions. Next, I want to address customers' expansion and tooling consolidation on the JPOG platform. The complete software supply chain flow is the flow of binaries, which uniquely positions JPOG as mission critical for every enterprise. As customers continue to streamline their operations with our platform, we see them consolidating tooling around the binary-centric pipelines for both DevOps and security. For example, one of the Fortune 100 top five healthcare pharmaceutical and retail companies made a decision in Q4 of 2022 to migrate away from Google's container management cloud services and Sonotype Nexus binary repository to the JPOG platform, consolidating the complete package management, development pipeline solutions, and container registries under one platform. Only a few months later, in Q2 of this year, they successfully completed the proof of concept with our team as they began to explore consolidation of their multiple security point solutions. As a result of this proof of concept, the customers decided to move away from SNCC to JPROG to cover their software composition analysis needs and are now exploring JPROG's other security capabilities as part of a strategic consolidation and standardization around JPROG's platform. We believe tooling consolidation will continue to be both a macro trend and a DevSecOps tooling imperative. This type of consolidation and ROI for our customers reflects the findings of a recent study conducted by Forrester. Commissioned by JPOG, the Forrester TEI report found that enterprises investing in the JPOG platform could expect a nearly 400% ROI across three years, and that some organizations could expect to save up to 156 hours per developer per year when utilizing JPOG's DevOps and security platform. In their study, an enterprise with thousands of developers could potentially save tens of millions of dollars in costs over 36 months. These results reflect JPOG's core business value of improving efficiency and productivity across an organization through automation and control of the binary flow. At the same time, Forrester noted in another recent industry report that, quote, JPROG is great for enterprises that place high value on software supply chain security. Customers are looking across their portfolios to discover ways to reduce technological and integration costs. And the JPROG platform allows them to fulfill this vision. I now want to focus on ongoing adoption of the JPOG platform across our three calls and high-value enterprise subscriptions. When JPOG first entered the market, DevOps was not even a phrase. When we introduced X-Ray as our first security solution a few years ago, DevSecOps was in its infancy. And today, we see that developers and development organizations 
are tasked with security, multiple programming languages, cloud-native technologies, multi-cloud deployments, open-source management, software distribution, and more. With the number of connected devices that must stay updated, growing into the tens of billions, software truly has no boundaries. We continue to see customers trusting JFrog with this boundless software delivery. For example, a leading biopharmaceutical company turned to JFrog to help them revolutionize medical supply processes with an innovative approach. Using a combination of software and connected devices, they aim to simplify how hospital and medical staff consume and trace organic and inorganic medical inventories. Looking to guarantee the security and integrity of the extensive network of sensor-driven devices in the field, they first considered JPO Connect for their over-the-air software updates and as a fleet management solution. However, upon realizing the benefits of JPOG Artifactory as a universal binary repository and JPOG X-Ray and advanced security for mitigating software supply chain attacks, they decided to adopt JPOG's platform as their system of record. Partnering with JPOG helps them to consolidate around a single DevOps and DevSecOps platform, and we look forward to working with companies such as this moving forward to change the way every industry thinks of delivering and managing software from developers to the secure distributed edge. Now, I would like to address JFrog's view of the potential impact of generative artificial intelligence technologies within our software supply chain platform, security solutions, and for individual developers. As we have previously noted, from a business perspective, we believe that AI-powered creation of software will drastically increase the overall code created within organizations, and thus leading to an increase in the number of binaries being generated by developers or machines. As JFOR continues to be the gold standard in enterprise artifact management, we look forward to helping companies scale with our software supply chain platform alongside their AI-driven advances. More code equals more builds. More builds equals more binaries, which creates a huge opportunity for JFrog. We also see JFrog as an AI enabler for our customers. We already observe JFrog Artifactory serving the repository for customers' machine learning and AI models. Machine learning models are yet another form of binary and consume in the organization as software packages. Therefore, managing customers' AI processes and their metadata at scale, locally, natively, alongside other technologies, generates incremental benefits from the use of the JPOC platform. The builders of AI models within companies are often Python developers and data scientists utilizing Conda or Silent packages. Already, natively supported by Artifactory. This reinforces JFrog as the single source of truth for companies' development processes, as well as potentially their AI and MLOps initiatives. Finally, regarding AI within JFrog, we are exploring several approaches that will enhance future versions of JFrog DevOps and security solutions. And we look forward to providing updates on our progress in the near future. With that, I'll turn the call over to our CFO, Jacob Schulman, 
who will provide an in-depth recap of Q2 financial results, as well as update you on our guidance for Q3 and for fiscal year 2023. Jacob. Thank you, Slomi, and good afternoon, everyone. During the second quarter, total revenues were $84.2 million, up 24% year-over-year. Our stronger-than-expected revenues in the quarter were driven by continuous threat of our cloud business and adoption of higher subscription tiers across the JFROC software supply chain platform. In the second quarter, our cloud business saw sequential expansion in customer usage, equaling revenues of $27.6 million, up 44% year-over-year. While we continue to see a slower pace of cloud migrations compared to the prior year, we are pleased with improving usage trends during the first half of 2023. Going forward, we believe cloud optimization will remain an ongoing exercise within large enterprises as customers continue to focus on efficient growth. We reiterate our baseline cloud growth rate of mid-40s during fiscal year 2023. Self-managed revenues, or on-prem, were $51.8 million, up 17% year-over-year during the quarter. Overall expansion and revenue growth within our self-hosted business remains constrained relative to prior years as customers transition towards cloud and hybrid deployments, which has reduced organizational focus on future expansion within self-hosted deployments. We have received positive feedback from customers regarding JFROC Advanced Security and initial interest in JFROC curation, with many of these engagements being self-hosted deployments. We remain optimistic that our security solutions can be a potential catalyst to reaccelerate revenue growth and customer expansion within our self-hosted business. Net dollar retention for the four trailing quarters was 120%, a decline of four points sequentially due to ongoing macro headwinds and low retention within our self-hosted business. We have started seeing stabilization of NDR around these levels and continue to expect our net dollar retention for the year to be around 120%. Our gross retention continued to be 97% with no change in overall customer churn trends. In Q2, 45% of our total revenue came from Enterprise Plus subscriptions, up from 36% in Q2 of 2022, an increase in revenue contribution of 56% year over year. Now let me discuss our income statement in more detail. Gross profit in the quarter was $70.4 million, representing a gross margin of 83.6%, essentially flat with a year-ago period, and in line with expectations, as economies of scale and cost control offset high cloud revenue contribution. Operating expenses for the second quarter were $62.2 million, down $1 million sequentially, equaling 73.9% of revenues, compared with $58.8 million, or 86.8% of revenues in the year-ago period. During the second quarter, we benefited from timing of certain expenses being pushed into the third quarter. We continue to remain focused on expense discipline while continuing to strategically invest in go-to-market initiatives and technology innovation. Our operating profit in Q2 was $8.2 million, or a 9.7% operating margin, compared to an operating loss of $2 million, or negative 3% operating margin in the prior year due to better-than-expected cost efficiencies. 
Second quarter net income equal $12.1 million or 11 cents per diluted share based on 108 million diluted shares outstanding versus a year ago net loss of $2.2 million equating to a loss of two cents per diluted share. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, we ended the June quarter with $470 million in cash and short-term investments, up from $443 million as of December 31, 2022. Cash flow from operations was $16.7 million in the quarter. After taking into consideration CAPEX, free cash flow was $16.2 million, generating a 19.3 free cash flow margin. We reiterate our expectations for low double-digit free cash flow margins in fiscal 2023. As of June 30, 2023, our remaining performance obligations totaled $213.6 million. Now I'd like to speak about our guidance for the third quarter and full year 2023. Our full year 2023 expectations continue to estimate strong growth in our cloud business and ongoing expense discipline. For Q3, we expect revenue to be between $87 million to $88 million, with non-GAAP operating profit between $6 to $7 million and non-GAAP earnings per diluted share of $0.08 to $0.09, assuming a share count of approximately 110 million shares. I would note that third-quarter operating expenses will include costs related to our employee merit increases and our swamp-up user conference, which will cause a sequential step-up. For the full year of 2023, we anticipate total revenue in a range between $343.5 million to $345.5 million. Non-GAAP operating income is expected to be between $24 million and $25 million, and non-GAAP earnings per diluted share of $0.26 to $0.28, assuming a share count of approximately 110 million shares. Now let me turn the call back to Shlomi for some closing remarks before we take your questions. Thank you, Jacob. We continue to believe that JPOG is well positioned to achieve our planned goals in the coming quarters, and our customers' ongoing commitments and partnership alongside us validate the mission-critical nature of our platform. Before we close, I want to thank the entire JPOG team for a strong quarter. Your resilience and passion is stronger than any macro headwind. And the results speak for themselves. Q2's success belongs to you. I also want to invite everyone to attend our annual Swamp Up DevOps and DevSecOps user conference in San Jose on September 13. I'm looking forward to updating the community on our major products and strategy announcements alongside amazing industry and JPOC customer stories from companies like Fidelity, Riot Games, Netflix, and others. Thank you all for joining us for our Q2 earnings call, and may the frog be with you. Now, we'll be happy to take your questions. Operator? Thank you, sir, and ladies and gentlemen. If you have a question today, please press star one on your telephone keypad. We'll take our first question today from Pinjalin Bora, J.P. Morgan. Hey guys, this is uh, Noah on for, for Pendulum. Thanks, thanks for taking our questions. Um, just wanted to double click a bit on the recent uh, curation add-on feature you, you just recently uh, rolled out. 
Um, can, can you just maybe elaborate on how this has helped you shift more left in the DevSecOps lifecycle? And are you now targeting a potential different buyer as you sort of roll out this new product? Thanks. Hi, Benjamin. Uh, yes, and we are very excited about uh, the release of JFOC Eurasian. Actually, uh, that was part of the plan of uh, extending our DevSecOps solution and shift uh, even further left, as, as mentioned. The buyers of uh, JFOG curation are actually a combination of uh, the CIO office and the CISO office. Um, the developers would like to have an automated way to enforce policies that are coming from the CISOs, and by that, to uh, avoid having each of the uh, caching from public hubs of uh, software binaries to get into the organization and to automate this full process. So basically, it's a partnership between the CISO and the CIO. And still, um, this demand came from uh, the DevOps and the DevSecOps engineers, so not yet really a pure security uh, stakeholder, but a combination of both. Got it. Thank you. The next question comes from Sanjeet Singh, Morgan Stanley. Hey, this is uh, Chris Quintero on for Sanjeet. Um, congrats on the results and thanks for taking our questions. I wanted to ask around the disparity between the, the slow work on a 100K customer ads versus the you know, 100, 1 million plus customer ads that I think was your, your best ever. So just trying to square both of those would be, would be really helpful. Uh, yes, I will take this question. So our goal is to expand all customers, and uh, we see diversification of the customers between different segments. So specifically to expansion of million-dollar customers, uh, what we're happy to see is that these customers actually come in from industries that uh, kind of outside of our traditional uh, uh, strong segments, technology and banking. Those come in from other industries. And it just shows that the DevOps and DevSecOps uh, um, capabilities that we offer are important uh, across multiple industries. Uh, we also see that uh, our Enterprise Plus uh, uh, platform and subscription continues to provide a lot of value. You're absolutely right that in absolute uh, uh, um, number of uh, in Q3, we added less than prior quarter. However, we see a lot of engagement. Uh, over the last 12 trailing months, it's uh, comparable to prior periods. So uh, we really don't see any, any change in the trends here. It's probably just uh, more like a timing issues. Got it. Makes sense. Um, and then I also want to ask around um, kind of the optimizations that you're seeing around JFrog Cloud Center from customers. Um, any kind of, you know, more clarity you can give there and maybe kind of where we are in terms of timing and maybe, you know, what, what inning we are with that, with those optimizations. Yes. Uh, as we noted on our prepared remarks, we continue to see expansion of our uh, usage by our, by our customers. Previously, we noted that uh, we started the year, like uh, January, uh, was a very slow and still subject to optimizations. Then in March, we did see the pickup in, in usage, which trend continued in April and throughout the quarter. So we, we believe that those uh, initial headwinds of optimization behind us, uh, we, going forward, we do expect that customers will continue to put 
emphasis on efficient growth. But in terms of uh, usage, uh, we do our customers uh, uh, using more file platform, and therefore we expect that our cloud revenues will continue to grow in this 40s throughout the year. Thank you. Next up is Kingsley Crane, Canaccord. Hi, thanks for taking my question. So I'd like to ask about duration. I think one of the most interesting aspects of it is that it is focused around developer velocity. Obviously, your platform appeals to all kinds of stakeholders, but I think in terms of an individual product, this is one of the more exciting ones for developers. So um, how do you think that will play out in terms of uh, encouraging adoption? And then are you thinking this will more um, drive upsell into premium bundles or gain more revenue through pricing a la carte? Yes, so thank you, Kingsley. Um, curation in terms of uh, the adoption um, will increase the usage of uh, JFOX security uh, solutions, the holistic software supply chain security. It comes uh, as an option, as an add-on to the Enterprise X and the Enterprise Plus subscriptions. And it's, uh, as mentioned, uh, a by-seat, by-year uh, model. So um, we are expecting to see the expansion coming from uh, the adoption of JFOC curation as well, um, not only by the uh, um, number of uh, Enterprise Plus and Enterprise X users, but also by the number of developers in the organization, in the enterprise that we use. Okay. Uh, thanks, Shalomi. That's very helpful. And then one on the financials. So um, I want to talk about NRR. So I think that uh, 120% is a great number, uh, but if NRR is a trailing 12-month metric, uh, I think declining for uh, percentage points in one quarter is significant. So I think that would suggest that the in-quarter performance was well below. So I guess, does that imply a reacceleration or a higher NRR in the back half in order to reach 120 for the full year? Thank you. Yeah, so... Um you're absolutely right, Kinsley, that our another retention rates uh, declined 4, 4% from prior quarter. This was uh, actually in line with our expectations. If you recall, when we, when we guided uh, the year, we did expect our uh, net oil retention to go down to around these levels. Currently, we see stabilization around these levels and expect to, to finalize, finish the year with uh, NRR around uh, these levels. Okay, fair enough. Very helpful. Thank you. Brad Reback from Stiefel is up next. Uh, great. <clears throat> Thanks very much. Jacob, on the cloud consumption trends, did July look a lot like June, or did it actually you know, continue to accelerate? Uh, Brad, uh, I don't have yet the data for July. I cannot comment. During the month, we continue to see uh, strong performance, but I don't have final numbers for July yet. Got it. No problem. And then, Shlomi, I think last quarter you talked about the global partner network and the momentum you were seeing there. And I don't, I'm not sure if I missed it earlier in the prepared remarks, but any commentary uh, on sort of rest of the world would be great. Thanks. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, our Partners and Alliances program continue to accelerate. Actually, um, I mentioned Swamp Up, our user conference, happening on September 13. 
for the first time, we are also having a partner day a day before um, to celebrate and to enable the over 100 partners that uh, in the past year uh, we built the program with. Aside of that, the co-sale and co-marketing motion of working with all three clouds, um, AWS, GCP, and Azure, is also accelerating through the marketplace. So we are very pleased to see it, not only by um, cloud growth, but also self-hosted partners, and not only self-hosted partners, but also by region, by geography, and not just uh, DevOps, but also new security partners that uh, joined the portfolio. Great. Thanks very much. Mike Seacos from Needham and Company has the next question. Hey, guys. Thanks for getting me on here. I, I just wanted to cycle back to uh, to Jacob's earlier comment uh, around the NRR. Uh, I think it was that we expect to finish the year around the, this current level. And really, where I'm going with this is I'd just like to see what, what gives you the confidence to, to see JFrog finishing the year at these levels. Is it based on maybe – the tone of conversations with customers, the, the renewal base that you have coming due, um, just anything there would, would really be incremental. Yeah, so when we think about uh, our NEDL retention uh, um, forecast, first of all, we're looking at the renewal uh, with our customers uh, and obviously uh, talking to them and uh, evaluating their plans. We're also seeing uh, continued uh, uh, consumption trends on, on SaaS and commitments of our annual customers on SaaS. And finally, we're looking at the uh, um, kind of overall uh, economic environment and demand environment, and we, we see stabilization in, in, in that regard, and that's what gives us a kind of analysis of the pipeline, analysis of the opportunities that in front of us for the second half of the year. That's what uh, gives us confidence uh, that the nettle retention will stay around this level. Great. And, and also, I appreciate the commentary around the, the customers that are adopting advanced security as well. I think a lot of us are excited about that offering. Um, can you help us think through how how your sales force or your, your go-to-market effort is, is driving awareness um, within your existing customer base to, to drive adoption? And I guess what have – what has been some of the early findings from those customers who are, who have adopted it, at least as you think about feedback and building up those test, uh, customer testimonials uh, to drive additional success around advanced security? Yes, Mike. So just as you, we are also very excited about the results. Uh, to remind uh, um, the public, we announced JFOG Advanced Security full um, hybrid availability in the first quarter of this year, and um, and to see so many of our customers are um, showing uh, interest, and some of them, tens of them, already uh, uh, paid for uh, additional subscription. Obviously, these are great news for us. The, the main thing that uh, our uh, go-to-market team is focusing on is to uh, map the, the renewals that we have ahead of us and see who are the X-ray customers that already uses um, JFOG Tier 1 Security, X-ray, Software Composition Analysis, and also them, obviously, the capabilities the JFOG Advanced Security Suite offer. And the second effort uh, goes to the uh, market education, so attracting new customers. Some of them were mentioned in the, in the call today uh, that are coming to JFOG 
mainly because of the consolidation. So they want to start and see one software supply chain that not only provides uh, one capability or two capabilities to secure your uh, DevOps and DevSecOps team, but also um, the uh, repository, the distribution process, and everything around that. So these are the main two catalysts for the adoption. Um, the fact that it's also available in the cloud and on-prem gives us obviously the freedom to operate in different deployment environments, so that's a plus as well. And the last thing is that uh, since we are very transparent with our roadmap, we are speaking about X-ray and GA for advanced security as uh, available in the market in the, in the last quarter, but now we added curation, so really what we see from our customers is uh, a demand for a holistic one-stop shop for their software supply chain security that also includes future roadmap uh, items that also help us to build the pipeline. That's great to hear. I, I really appreciate the, uh, the commentary, Shlomi. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Your next question is Jason Ader, William Blair. Yeah, thank you. Um, Jacob, question for you. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in Q4 with your guidance, because you guided to 28, 26 to 28 for the full year, um, but you're at, if I, my numbers are correct, you're at basically 25 for the first three quarters based on your guidance for Q3. So that that implies Q4 would have like, you know, three cents of earnings, and, and that would be the lowest of the year. Can you talk us through what's going on there? So our actual uh, results for the year, uh, for, the, for the first six months, are about uh, 17, 17 cents, uh, plus about nine, eight to nine cents, so it's about 24. So... Um, I think um, uh, in, if you look at the operating profitability, uh, we expect operating profitability in Q4 to be comparable, uh, slightly higher than in Q3. And uh, I expect that, uh, um, that the EPS for Q4 probably going to be uh, in the kind of same levels comparable to Q3. So um, I hope... That makes yeah, math, sense. But that yeah. math doesn't work. No, I mean, because if you say 27 cents is the midpoint for the full year, and you just said 25 cents through the first three quarters, right, then that would imply two cents for Q4. So so maybe there's something going on below the line in Q4, but I get the operating income trends, and it looks like that's continuing to be pretty healthy. But Q4 EPS looks like it would be quite a bit below where the rest of the year has been. So, I mean, we, 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 can, we can move that offline if you want, but I just wanted to flag that. Uh, thank you for your note. And uh, um, I don't expect any outstanding items below the line in Q4. Okay. All right. Um, and then maybe, uh, Shlomi, I wanted to follow up on the last question just on the go-to-market side for security. Um, I guess, what are you guys learning about the go-to-market side for security and how that might be different uh, for some of these packages that you are now offering for security that 
um, you know, is different than what you've had to do in the past in terms of go-to-market? Yes. So uh, regarding uh, security, what we see is that it's a bit different. First of all, um, when, when it comes to DevOps, the bottom-up mechanism is very popular. Usually it's being adopted by developers or DevOps engineers and scale up by the size of the PO, maybe to the CTO or the CIO, and, and so on. Maybe strategic decisions are being taken top-down, like let's say migration to the cloud, but most of what we've seen and what, of what, uh, most of what we have built uh, was from the ground up. In security, it's, uh, it's a bit different. Uh, the decision is first being taken uh, by the um, security leaders um, and then apply um, in, the different, uh, in the different groups of, uh, of the company. What we also see, and this is uh, quite interesting, uh, we start to see a partnership between the CIO and the CISO when it comes to software supply chain security. On one hand, the CIO, the VPRND, they want to be super fast. The security guys are trying to catch up with it. So any kind of automation that applies into the uh, software supply chain is obviously helping those two to bridge the, the need. So we usually meet more than one persona over one PO uh, when it comes to security. Most of it would be top-down, and most of it, uh, most of these opportunities will take more than the average uh, quarter or, or four-month cycle. Uh, to complete. Great. And then is the, are, are the budgets uh, usually the you know the CISO has its own budget um, pool versus the CIO and the and the and the developer teams. So is that is that creating friction because you have to actually tap into do two different budget pools? So the strategy that uh, we chose. Is a, is a strategy of uh, consolidating all the security solution um, into, uh, not all of them, but the majority of the security solution from the Git scanning to the binary scanning to the distribution to consolidate it with the capabilities like secret detection, like uh, software composition analysis. We discussed in the call the displacement of SNEAK the displacements of sonar type, those were displaced by consolidation to a platform. Usually when, when this is happening, there is a budget already marked by the CISO and it's being compared to a security tool they already have. Um, if there is a new capability like JPOC curation, obviously it will be discussed uh, to start with, with the CIO, and then they will probably bring the security stakeholders. Okay, so just to clarify, that's very helpful, uh, Shalomi. Just to clarify, the, the the security tools that are sold into the DevOps tool chain, are those part of the kind of CIO's budget or are those part of the CISO budget? Um, or is really, that just depends on the company? Exactly. It depends on the company and the enterprise. Um, most of what we saw, over 80% of the opportunities that uh, that we deal with, uh, a combination of uh, discussion with both the CISO office and the CIO office. And we were also very pleased to see that in some organization, big one, including uh, leading uh, financial institutes or uh, retail, the CIO and the CISO offices were already merged into one. Okay, great. Thanks very much.
Good luck. Thank you. Your next question is Koji Ikeda, Bank of America. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, a couple from me. Um, just kind of going back to curation, you know, you mentioned earlier the seat-based model. So, so how do you think about the TAM for curation? Is it, is it all the developers out there, security folks, ops folks? I mean, is it all of them? You know, how do you think about the TAM? And then second part of the question uh, on curation is because it's seat-based, wh where is it going to show up in the revenue recognition? Is, is it going to be in self uh, subscription self-managed to start and eventually break it out? Just trying to understand where it will fit so we could, you know, begin to understand where it's contributing to growth. Yes, Koji, hi, and I'll take the first part of, uh, of the question, then Jacob can elaborate more about uh, where it will be recognized. Um, the, the TAM of JPO curation is very much aligned with, uh, with the TAM of uh, the DevSecOps market. Um, actually, we are after the uh, um, opportunity to cover all the developers from outside the organization. So the reason that there is an alignment between the value and the way we price it is that it goes by the number of developers that consume software packages from outside the organization. So let's say that you go to a public repository and you want your software supply chain to be curated from the get-go, it would be multiplied by the number of developers that are consuming this, uh, this service. And obviously with the combination of Artifactory and JPOG Advanced Security that sits on top of Artifactory and secure your software supply chain from inside the organization, there is an alignment between uh, the models. So it's basically all organizations are now using, uh, based on researches, 90% of the software that is being made in the world is coming from, from open source uh, initiatives, um, um, software that is being cached from outside the organization, and therefore it's relevant to all the organizations by the number of developers and, and so on. So we are looking at uh, the same time. The second thing, so it's the same time with a bigger market share. The second thing uh, around that is uh, obviously the, the fact that uh, the competition with this solution is completely different than the DevSecOps market that is very fragmented. Um, there are not so many curation solutions out there that are putting a fence between the organization and the public hub and preventing you from bringing the log4j, the next log4j from, from the get-go. So it's not just the time, it's also what is the size of the market share that we can grab by having this solution um, embedded to our platform. And with regards to the split between uh, deployment types, it would be really, since it's an add-on to existing subscriptions, so it will be dependent on the main subscription that the customer subscribes for. If it's, it's uh, self-managed, then it will be reported as self-managed. If it's uh, SaaS, it will be reported as uh, SaaS. And by seat in both cases. Right. Got it, no, that, that's super helpful. And then, one follow-up here, if I may. W wanted to ask about the million-dollar customers and the 100K-plus customers. You, know, you added three million-dollar AR customers, which is the most I think you've ever added in a quarter sequentially. So, so congratulations there. Um, but the 100K may be a little bit light versus recent quarters, so just trying to understand the dynamics between the 1 million-plus and the 100K-plus. 
Yes, yeah, so Koji, when, when we are looking at it, obviously we are very pleased not only because of the size of the PO, but also the subscriptions that these guys are, are upgrading to and the amount of, uh, of capabilities uh, from the JFOG platform that they are actually using while we are monitoring it. Um, in the last six quarters, we added at least one um, million dollar customer to, to this group, uh, which also demonstrates an adoption or a growing adoption of our platform. Regarding the uh, over $100,000 customers, the 813, um, I'm looking at it, uh, if I may, in a, in a bit different perspective. To add over 150 customers to this group um, in, the, in the last year, during the recession, with all the new technologies that are coming and all the changes that we see in the market, I actually um, I'm pleased with the uh, with the goal, and I'm expecting it to go even even higher than that um, when I'm looking at the at the pipeline and and hoping to see the changes in the market. Got it. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for us for taking the questions. Your next question is Michael Turris, keeping Capital Market. Hey, Shlomi and Jacob. Um, good job on the quarter. You said that you are um, that, that optimization is, is largely behind you. Can, and yet, uh, Microsoft and some others have, have talked about there being several quarters still to go on optimization. So, can you maybe describe what might be different in terms of your cycle around optimization with some of the hyperscalers? And I, I, this this could be a, you know an overlapping question. You know, what's going on in terms of, of, of new projects and whether they're not they're beginning to, to rebound, new software development projects. Uh, Michael, I, I will take this question. I think uh, big hyperscalers provide multiple different uh, types of different workloads. And it's hard for me to comment what kind of workloads impacted by optimization, what, what not. What we've seen is that the DevOps continues to be uh, critical infrastructure. Um, and we, we see that in terms of data transfer and storage, we continue to see growth uh, sequentially in, in, on our systems. So it's really maybe the difference between what we've seen and what hyperscalers see is that the fact that they provide a variety of different workloads, maybe that's what impacts uh, their kind of uh, picture. Mm -hmm. So just a, you know, another qualitatively, then why, is it, why does it make sense that, that your optimizations would have troughed, if you will, and started to rebound earlier than theirs from, from anything. And again, obviously, I'm not asking you to comment on your, their, their business, but that's a broad business where you're seeing it seems like an earlier rebound. Yeah, as we, as we previously discussed, we monetize our SaaS deployments by data transfer and storage, and storage more low-hanging fruit, which we did see uh, those optimization efforts accelerated about in, in Q3 and Q4 of last year. Those were kind of more shorter time to, to uh, 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 optimization. Uh, data transfer optimization is typically more uh, longer uh, uh, kind of efforts required. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense to, for customers to focus on that because it requires significant engineering effort. So what we, what we believe is that Customers will continue to uh, 
monitor their usage. They will continue to strive to grow efficiently, uh, but the, the initial impact of optimizations will be left behind us. Michael, I, I'll add to it, uh, Xiaomi here, um, you know, that there is just much that you can dry out your infrastructure um, um, reservoirs. Uh, with everything that comes in, the security automation, software supply chain is getting enriched and also need to deal with the AI, as we mentioned. Some of our customers already started to use uh, our uh, infrastructure as the um, infrastructure for AI. This can be optimized up to a limit, and as Jacob mentioned, not necessarily can be compared to, to, the, um, to the big cloud um, companies. Um, and, and we hear our customers telling us some of them are also on a pending mode waiting for budget to be released so, so they will be able to migrate to the cloud and, and grow even faster. Great, guys. Thanks very much. Next up is Jonathan Reithaver, Cancer Fitzgerald. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, thank you for getting me in. So, um, so GitHub recently claimed that uh, approximately 46% of its customers' code is already written by uh, Copilot. And they, they actually said they expect that to go to 80% sooner uh, rather than later. And they've also, you know, made some comments along the lines that Copilot, you know, has accelerated customer growth and is making GitHub more competitive around managing Git repositories. Now, you know, to your comments earlier, uh, Shlomi, it seems fairly obvious that LLMs will drive increasing uh, market need for artifactory management broadly. But, but how do you see the competitive impact playing out due to LLMs? And, and what is your strategy there? Yeah, well, that's a, a great question. And as you know, there are a lot of discussions around AI and um, the regulations around AI and the panic around AI and the potential of AI and opportunity of AI. But let's uh, kind of uh, take it to, uh, to the level that everybody understands. More code, whether it's made by co-pilot or by developers, creates more binaries, and more binaries create more uh, opportunities for JPROG because we are the, uh, the standard makers in the binary storage uh, of the organizations today. Not only that, the most exciting thing about uh, managing AI models and MLOps uh, models is the fact that they are yet another form of binary. So whether you handle it or you build it inside the organization or you bring it from outside the organization, Artifactory can be the only tool that supports you unless you just want to dump it on, on, on a regular file server. The last thing that I would say is that these uh, coders that you mentioned that are using Copilot to build AI are basically Python developers or data scientists that are using uh, packages like Conda and Siran. All three of them are already natively supported in Artifactory, so for them, it's just a familiar place that they are going to to fetch their model, and not just uh, not just the AI models, but also the models that are coming with the AI to train the machine. So we see big opportunities around that. Um, as we mentioned in our call, uh, we are looking forward to share with the with the industry what we build natively to support this demand, 
And as it goes back to the previous question, um, infrastructure optimization will get to a limit that, you know, from that point on, it will get back to what we used to see in the previous years. Okay, so, so I think what you're saying, Tommy, is, you know, the, the opportunity is really around the, the ability of um, Artifactory to support all these AI models, which is just another form of a binary, and, and that, that, that just, you know, broadens the opportunity for, for JFrost, right? Artifactory is, uh, is almost uh, a, a default solution for that. Um, you know, when, when I asked ChatGPT about it, that's the question I got. So uh, that's the most authentic way for me to validate that. And the other thing is X-ray, because you don't just want to, to have a dummy storage. You also want to have the right tool to enforce the policy before you bring any type of models from public repositories of AI. So you want a tool like X-ray that will say that if this AI model is coming with the wrong licenses, it cannot get into the organization. And thus, protect your software supply chain. You need tools like curation to block it from, from the get-go. So the proxy will not be subject to any type of malicious code or, uh, or open source license violation. So the whole solution of JFOG is set to, to grab the fruits of this opportunity. Yeah, okay. Very helpful. Thank you. Next up is Rob Owens, Piper Chandler. Great. Uh, thanks for taking my question. And uh, I want to drill down a little bit again into the cloud optimization being behind you. And uh, I don't know if you've ever broken out for us the difference in gross retention rates between self-hosted and, and subscriptions. And are, are, is there something in those trends that, that may show you that um, uh, a lot of the optimizations behind you at this point, either from a gross or net retention perspective? Because I guess that might play into some of those questions around net retention for the back half of the year. Thanks. Yes, uh, we the only uh, information or color that we provided on the difference between uh, SaaS and, and uh, self-hosted is that SaaS net dollar retention is higher than corporate and uh, and uh, self-hosted is uh, lower than corporate. Again, uh, we believe that uh, the storage optimization is kind of uh, low-hanging fruit and those who wanted to do that most likely have done that because we started seeing first optimization efforts about four quarters ago and uh, and that's sufficient time for, for customers to look at their storage environments and uh, make necessary steps. For, uh, for the uh, data transfer optimization, it's, it's uh, and we believe, going to be ongoing, ongoing effort. Uh, and uh, uh, that's why we said that first, first wave of optimization is behind us and going forward we'll be just seeing more efficient growth of our, of our customers. All right, thank you very much. <laughs> There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back to Shlomi for closing remarks. Thank you all for joining us on this quarter earnings call, and thank you for your questions. Uh, we are looking forward to keep executing and delivering uh, more news from the swamp. Join us at Swamp Up September 13 in San Jose, and by then, may the frog be with you. Thank you. This concludes today's call. Thank you for attending. You may now disconnect.